Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. today met at school and decided to form a band in their music class. They're hot contenders for landing a spot in the Triple J Hottest 100 this year, and they're the two front men from Perth punk rock band Sly Withers. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Jono and Sam from Sly Withers. Hey guys, how are we? Good, thanks man. How are you going? Doing well. Doing well. Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Now, thank you very much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having us. My pleasure. Now, congratulations on a fantastic 2020 for yourselves and the uh, other guys from the band. It uh, was a pretty decent year in regards to, um, well, I think, yeah, Sly Withers really came to the mainstream this year, if that if that makes sense. You guys had a cracking year. Yeah, it was good. We were particularly lucky being a WA band this year, I think, in that things kind yeah. of happened a little bit, then settled down, and we kind of got back to playing shows pretty quickly and stuff, which was really lucky for us, and it's not something that other people were that fortunate to kind of have the advantage of. But, yeah, had a good year. It was cool. Cool thing. <laughs> Being in WA and returning um, to the norm relatively quickly compared to, to everywhere else, I guess, do you think that being able to, to play those shows and, um, and and take that time is, has given you better prep for releasing the second album? I think definitely um, but the, the time that we got to spend recording um, because our touring schedule got disrupted so much has, yeah, definitely given that album an extra set of legs. Um, yeah. I don't think it would have come out the way that it did. And I don't think the singles that we put out this year would have been as strong um, if we didn't have that extra you know, few months that we had in the studio, um, just slowly ticking away at things and getting things really how we wanted them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, Cause it was really, it was really like the only thing we had to do as well. Like it was like, yeah. the, kind of, like the, the lockdown kind of time period was like peak album making time period for us as well. So it kind of like, it was a little bit, like a little bit good timing. I don't know if you're weird saying that, but like, yeah. <laughs> silver lining. <laughs> yeah. Silver lining. Yeah. Um, was it always the plan to go in and record the second record when you did, or was it kind of forced your hand uh, by COVID? No, always the plan. Yeah. That was yeah. like, that was the time period. Yeah. You worked on the record with uh, Matt Templeman. What was the experience like working with Matt to help um, bulk up the songs a little bit? 
Yeah, it was really good. We've been um, we've been friends with Temp for a long time, and I'd worked with him on a couple of other like small projects. Um, but yeah, he's um, an absolute wizard, and like he knows us so well. He's so good at getting the best takes out of us, and he's not afraid to tell us when you've done a crappy take and you need to do it again. Um, but yeah, he's um, he's something else, and it was like <laughs> yeah, it was fun working with him. It was never. Um, like as much as he pushed us to the limits on a lot of days, especially vocal tracking, um, yeah, like it was it was never not fun for us to be in there working with him. Very rewarding, I think. Yeah. In terms of like, yeah, how he pushed us and like how he like strived to get the best out of us and kind of like I don't know, he made me think about my playing a little like more in depth or, or like in a bit of a different way than I normally would, which I really really enjoyed being like pushed like that. I think. That was really great. Yeah, awesome. For yourselves, um, because the first record was uh, self-produced by you guys, right? It was uh, it was Mike Jelinek. Oh shit, sorry. In Perth, um, yeah, but it was like, yeah, it was, yeah. I don't know. We sometimes prefer not to speak of that album. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. Nah, um, <laughs> we were very young. We kind of just did it. Um, we we're like, oh, we've got all these songs. Let's make an album. Um, and then, yeah. Jelly helped us, and that's that's what we got. Yeah. Do you think that um, having such a decent time period between the two records, um, I know there was an EP in between, but do you think that that helped in in being able to to hone your songwriting craft and and write um, write stronger songs? Um. Yeah, I guess that would never hurt. I think a lot of these songs are also like the the time span that they were written in have have spanned quite a long period of time so going back there's there's some songs on this album that are going to be pushing three or four years old that we've like finally got around to feeling like we've actually nailed um so i guess yeah giving them a bit more time to sort of develop is um yeah it was definitely a good thing but (laughs) And, and, and the period between the last album and this one was like a massive period of like growth and like I feel like we kind of, we found what we wanted to play and like the kind of, the kind of music we wanted to make. And I think the first record was the complete opposite of that. The first record was just like, like making it for the sake of making it. Whereas, whereas during this period between them, yeah, I really think we've kind of honed into what we want to do. And I think we've, I think we've achieved that. I think we've done a really good job of, yeah, realizing the, like the, the thing we had in our heads, I think maybe is a good way to put it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, now for most bands having to co-frontman might be a bit of a, um, a difficult dynamic, but for you guys, uh, both of you being those two frontmen, um, how do you find it in terms of, uh, I guess, um, neither of you really strike me as like craving the spotlight, but, um, but how do you work out, I guess, who's taking the lead on something or, um, in terms of songwriting, what challenges do you find having two co-frontmen? Uh, um, I, don't, I actually don't know if I've ever seen it as a challenge. I guess whoever is going to take the lead on a song, it more just comes down to whoever brought that idea in. So a lot of the time, like, one of us will come in with a song that's either, you know, it could be anywhere from 20% to 100% finished, and the band will fill in the rest of those pieces. So there's never, like, a, oh, who's going who's gonna to sing this song because it's already someone's song. And then if it's one of Sam's songs, then I'll come up with harmonies 
or maybe like I'll, you know, get a chance to focus more on the lead playing for that song than I would in my own song and vice versa with him. So I don't think there's ever been a power struggle between us, I guess. It's just always whoever can can add on to what the other person has done. And I think that's, um, yeah, something that we both are pretty happy with at this stage. Yeah. We just get to, like, write songs twice as fast as other bands because we've got two writers, so I think. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, I think every, like, all of the kind of, all of the elements that come from having two front men, I think we see them as like positives. Like it's like a variety of stuff. It's like more influences being drawn. It's more ideas being brought to the table. It's writing songs twice as fast because there's two people writing them, that kind of thing. Do you find, um, and I realize you said it's not a, um, a challenge or anything to overcome, but do you find that, um, if someone brings something really strong to the table that then that inspires you to, I guess, go back and, uh, push you twice as hard yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah we're both like 100 percent. we've both said we're each other's biggest influence so if i've had a period where i've not written many songs and sam comes in and he's got two or three ready to go it's sort of like a oh i guess like here's the direction that we're going in and then like a few more will trickle out and vice versa it'll sort of yeah stampede until we have another half album done and that's just how it's been for the last couple of years, actually. Yeah. It's probably a very good thing for the uh, productivity of the band. As you said, you can kind of get songs done half as quickly uh, in half the amount of time and then, uh, yeah, continue to put out <laughs> that's, good records. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> for yourselves um, now, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I, I tried to do some research and found what I could. Uh, you two and I'm not sure if it was any of the other guys in the band, but you both met in music class. Is that correct? We, yeah. we met at high school. Oh, we yeah. had music yeah. class together. So, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the musical bond was formed around music class, I think. Yeah. Was it a discussion in class that you were kind of like, we should start a band, or did it just kind of happen from hanging out outside of, of school? Or I think we just did all, like, the yeah. kind of group projects in music together. And we were like already mates and hanging out and then we started busking together and we just kind of like, we both liked doing the music thing and we just kind of did the music thing a little bit and just kind of a kind of evolved from like, <laughs> let's go make a couple bucks on the weekend busking at a cafe into like, oh, let's do, let's do a band, you know? Um, and yeah, now we're here. <laughs> For yourselves going from, I guess, school busking and then being here do you think that it was um ever a point where you kind of thought it wouldn't because now you're signed to to a great australian label you guys are doing really really well um going on tour in in may was there ever a point where you weren't sure whether it could become kind of a uh, a career in terms of doing it full-time i'm still not sure if it's going to become a full-time <laughs> career <laughs> it's such like if anything from this year everything in this entire industry is so fickle that you know, it's, it's a it's a dangerous thing to put all your hope in. But, yeah, it's it's been, like, if anything, it's just been so much fun what we've been able to do up to this point. And we're super lucky that people have connected with it in the way that they have and have allowed us to go out and, and tour and play these shows over the country. And some of the support slots that we've had have been absolutely insane. Um, yeah, I think I might have missed the point of that question, but... <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> back around to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, no, no. It, it covered it. Um, for yourselves, as you said, like you guys had some incredible tours lined up last year, including um, an appearance at Splendor in the Grass. Was that, I imagine it must have been kind of heartbreaking to have that um, kind of put aside for at least 12 months. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's, that's, that was a, that was a bit of a tough one, but I don't know, like part of it for me, like again, silver linings, the, one of the biggest things about us getting Splendor was the day we got the email where it was like, Hey, do you want to play Splendor? And I was like, like, I just kind of like my, like I was like in the office with our manager and he told me, and I just kind of like, fell down on his chair and gave him a hug and just was quiet for a couple of minutes. Cause it was like, that's a huge <laughs> moment. So like, yeah, we didn't get to play it, but bloody hell, like bloody asked us to play. That's huge. That's such a, <laughs> like I was yeah. so stoked on that. And so, yeah, yeah there's, there's still positives from it. Right. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully this year we'll hopefully. see. Silver linings again. I mean, if like, I think if, if it goes ahead this year or even it's not this year, but it's next year, I think we'll be in a better position to play it than we would have been last year. Like the album will have been out, we'll have new material to play. And I think that's exciting as well. It'd be fun. Definitely. Blender is like, yeah, this is, this is the new us team go. (laughs) With the songs that you released uh, last year, Cracks was a huge song. Um, When you kind of wrote it, because the the chorus is quite a bit of a sing-along chorus. When you wrote it, did you think it was going to be as successful as it was? I had like lots of doubt about it, but I think that's more about me than it's about the song. Um, I, I don't know. It was, it was a bit of a, I don't know if risk is the right word, but I don't know how we like the, the, it kind of goes to this kind of like thrashy kind of punky kind of moment once the intro is done. And I think that that's kind of the kind of most like, I don't know, untamed our music has ever been. And I, I kind of wasn't quite sure about how that was kind of going to come across, but I think, yeah, we're happy with it and stuff. And yeah, the song's done so well, which is sick, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I never, I never pictured it being a single when I was writing it, but then, yeah, I don't know. We're all super hyped about it. I think it was one of the more like one of the songs we've been like the most hyped with in the jam room kind of thing, which is a good sign. Often, yeah, I think it was the most like uh, the song that we probably worked the most on collaboratively as a band. Everyone had more input into that song than most of the others, where it's just yeah, the band will come in and sort of fill in the extra pieces. That was one where it was like Sam, I think he had the verse and the chorus, but the whole the whole feel of it and that whole thrashy part came about because Joel started playing that speed double time because he got it wrong. And we were like, oh, maybe, maybe this is like better um and then it went from there so i think it was one where we're like oh that was a bit different like to how we'd normally go about writing a song and then when the the bridge was the first time that me and sam have ever done that sort of dual vocal thing um so yeah it was a lot of like new elements for us i I guess and a lot of like let's just have a bit of fun here like what's the funniest thing we could do like what would be what would be the most like rewarding to us just in this moment in this jam room right now let's let's make it really fast you know like yeah (laughs) it's cool another thing that you released was bogan villa which uh 
has an incredible video for those who haven't seen it. We'll put it in the show notes <laughs> for the episode. But um, for yourselves, I guess, uh, actually, firstly, where, where did that song come from? And, and, and I guess what was the uh, the catalyst for that song? And then we'll address the video in a second. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> that one was like the, I don't know, the, the opening lyric is centered around this kind of um, relationship that my, like, my late grandfather had with a big bougainvillea bush we had out the back of my parents' house growing up. And he used to kind of like do the gardening for us and stuff. And this bougainvillea was particularly hard to tame. And so he'd always have to be trimming it and stuff. And so he hated it, but like mum loved it. And so there was a bit of this kind of like tension between. And um, when he passed away, he like, one of the last things he said to my dad was just, you just have to go out the back to that bougainvillea and give it a little bit of a mist with some roundup or something just to kind of like <laughs> calm it down or whatever. So that opening line was like, yeah, there's a bougainvillea out the back. At least there was until last week. Yes, you finally got what you need. That was kind of just, that just kind of came out. And then the rest is kind of, it's very self-reflective. It's very like, um, Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, just kind of like, I don't know, thinking about the future and kind of hoping for good things and stuff. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying, to, trying to be better and trying to think about how to be better in the future and stuff. And like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In, I guess, and and now it kind of puts a, a different spin on the video. The video itself uh is maybe less personal, but still just as very entertaining with you guys uh, judging or, or versions of yourself judging a shittest talent competition uh, <laughs> for yourself. Where do uh, the ideas for the videos come from? And then as a, as a second part to the question, uh, does anyone in the band, either yourselves or the other two guys, have any shit talents? Um, well, first part, all, all of the videos come from Tim Elphick, who's done the majority of all our videos. He's a longtime friend of, of ours. I met him when we were both working at Kmart and we bonded over both liking modern baseball and the front bottoms. Um, so long, long time friend. And he, um, yeah, I think for that, for the Bogan video, he was just like, hey, do you want to do a hell shitty talent show? And we were like, well, yeah, okay. It was probably one of the quickest turnarounds we've ever done. From, <laughs> I think the whole thing was like planned to finish shooting in three weeks or something like that. Um, it was super quick, super rushed, and we were lucky that like all of our friends were uh, keen to get around it and would come in and, and showcase their shitty talents. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Tim is the, is the bedrock of all the videos for us. He's a, he's a genius, and 
We love working with him. And Sam's going to answer part two. <laughs> um, what was what was part two? Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. What's the shitty talent? Uh, does anyone have shitty talent? Um, yeah. I don't know about shitty talents, but Joel's a very talented carpenter, a drummer. He can he can build some cool wood stuff. Um, he built his whole drum kit out of like old Jared door frames from like a job he was working on many years ago that he got given. Um, Jonah, you got any talents? None as good as Joel's. Fair. Uh, Joel's the talented one. <laughs> yeah. Joel's the talented <laughs> one. Yeah, the, the kit that you see him playing in, in most of the videos in the Bogan one as well, that's that's the one that he built. And he was – I think he made a snare first and he finished it and he was super proud. And I think I went around to have a beer with him when he showed me and I was like, oh, you got you to finish it. And like, that's going to look silly on any other drum kit. <laughs> this, this whole thing. And, yeah. It's probably been more, more pain than gain that kit because it's a solid Jarrah kit and it's he made so heavy. <laughs> he made his kick drum like bigger than any custom size kick you can possibly order. I think it's twenty eight by twenty six or something like that, which is absolutely huge and it's solid Jarrah and it weighs about thirty kilos and it's it's a pain, but but it's a good talent to have. <laughs> it's, it's- it's a good talent. Yeah, it's a, it's a shit talent being a carpenter. Uh, the drum set itself, uh, I'm not sure if it was the right one, but uh, on a video you guys posted yesterday, I think of recording um, cracks in, in that drum kit, it looks like a very impressive drum kit. That that's, got. that's not actually that's the drum not kit. The kit. That's not the, oh, that's that, not that, the that drum kit is also, that's a crazy drum kit. Joel's drum kit that he built, the kick drum is very long. It's like a cannon, but in that that drum kit from that video, it's very like the diameter of the kick is massive. Like if you look at it, it's just it's bloody huge. But yeah, Joel likes big bass drums. <laughs> <laughs> I feel slightly embarrassed now. Um, now today is the last day to vote for the Triple J Hottest One Hundred, and there's um there's been plenty of social media activity across your your socials. What do you guys think the chances of Cracks or uh, Bogan making it into the Hottest One Hundred are like? Um, sports bets paying 501. <laughs> so, That's for winning anyone, though, Jenna. <laughs> anyone wants to make some money. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's definitely the best, best chance that we've ever had with cracks, which is super exciting. But I think like we would also just be so stoked to get anywhere near the 200. And I think it's, it's just been amazing to see how many people have been voting for us in a year where we weren't able to get out and play shows to all of these people. Um, yeah, it's cool to see that people sort of stuck by us and are still enjoying the content that we've been putting out. Yeah, of course. Um, what did you guys miss most about the the touring aspect of it last year and I guess not being able to, to go out on the road and, and, and play shows? I think for me, just in general, um, it, was, it was a big shame to have to take our foot off the gas. Like in 2019, we were sort of going so hard at it I think like yeah, the last six months of 2019 was the most touring that we've ever done, the most shows that we've ever done, and then when everything stopped, like the first few months, it was like, oh, this is this is nice. I don't have to be at the airport at 5 a.m. on a Friday anymore. Um, but it just yeah, it just dragged on and on. And I think yeah, after a few months, we were all pretty pretty keen to get back into it. And it's a shame that a lot of our plans have been disrupted. But it's the same with everyone, and you know, everyone's in the same boat. So. I think it'll be super exciting to see how things bounce back and when, when everyone can finally get out and start playing shows. There's going to be so many people um, keen and ready to go. So, 
I don't know. Just got to wait it out. That's very fair. You guys uh, do have some shows booked in in May. Are you looking? I guess what is the thing you're looking forward to the most about getting other than the five AM start? The what are you looking forward to the most? <laughs> playing shows. Yeah, yeah. I I miss I miss playing to all the people. I don't know. It sounds like a I don't know pretty normy answer for it, but I I felt like we we spent we spent um yeah most of 2019, particularly the back half playing like all around the country and stuff. And I, I, I really liked getting used to the kind of slightly different personalities that all the different crowds would have in all the different cities. And so it's like, um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain, but just only playing in Perth, we've only had Perth crowds and Perth crowds are Perth crowds. And I'm kind of like used to how that feels, but it always felt really special, like going to Brisbane or something particularly where, there'd be all these people and they'd be so into it. And it's like, it's all these fresh faces. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I get this weird thing where I like that all the different crowds have these different personalities and I just kind of miss. Yeah. Getting to experience that. Yeah. No, I, I can definitely understand that with, um, without doxing anyone, uh, <laughs> do you have, I guess a favorite and the worst, uh, state personality for crowds? You don't have to say the worst or at least we'll, we'll just bleep it. I think behind Perth, Brisbane is definitely definitely the favourite, right, Johnny? Yeah, I love Brisbane. It's always, we, always yeah. have a wonderful time there. Um, but yeah, I think we'd be in trouble if we didn't say Perth. So yeah, Perth and Brisbane. But then also like <laughs> Melbourne, Melbourne always turns up, and like yeah, I still remember the first time we like played an interstate show. It was in Melbourne, and it was yeah our first show outside of WA, and there were all these people singing our songs, and it was like what the fuck is going on here? That was like <laughs> crazy. And so Melbourne's always been really supportive and stuff. And then that, that last show in Adelaide, Johnny, that was like one of the funnest shows of all time. Yeah. Adelaide is super fun, super lovely. And it's cool. Just like, I don't know, getting our foot in the door and all these different scenes and meeting the bands that have like really held down those venues for so long and killing it in all the different cities. So I don't know. Yeah. I guess one of the big things I miss about touring is like, yeah, the other bands that we haven't been able to see as much as we would have liked to our friends on the road and stuff. So miss all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Talking um, about Perth, we previously spoke to Cav from Eskimo Joe about acts from WA. We, um, we spoke about Stella Donnelly and, and Tame Impala and Eskimo Joe. Um, Perth continues to churn out like excellent quality bands. What do you think it is in the scene over there that's uh, continuing to put out such quality acts or is it, or uh, do you think it's just, just sunk in the water? <laughs> I think I think there's like um there's an element of the the isolated nature of Perth kind of creating this thing where like uh, trapped is the wrong word but there's all these people in this kind of close proximity without a major cultural hub nearby where it's like everyone just kind of it's like okay this is what we've got let's do some cool stuff and then to a degree because we're so far away and a little bit kind of I don't know, Perth's Perth. People have feelings about Perth. I, I don't know. Sometimes a lot goes under the radar over here. And so people just kind of like churn away in the background and then suddenly it just takes one person noticing one brilliant song or something to like blow the fuck up like a stellar or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, guys, shall we talk about the playlist that you sent through? Sure thing. Yeah.
Now, the playlist has some excellent modern punk tracks, including bands like Pup and uh, Modern Baseball. I feel like punk or even folky punk as well um, continues to transcend any, uh, I, I guess, form of trend in, in terms that it kind of stays the same but still remains uh, popular decade after decade. Why do these songs in particular um, resonate with you guys? Good question. Um, I think yeah, I think there's something about I think the way the reason I'm drawn to punk music in particular is this kind of feeling of it's got all like the the poppy melodies and catchy hooks and stuff that kind of where like like humans are just kind of programmed to like you know there's certain kind of like arrangements of like 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 when you hear like a major scale or whatever it just sounds nice to the human ear and that's why like it's a thing that is recognized and so you have all these kind of like sweet melodies and stuff and then you combine it with like the powerfulness of like the heavy guitars and like just kind of this kind of very powerful backing sound and it's just to me it's it's it just ticks all the boxes for what i like enjoy hearing if that makes sense yeah definitely also on the playlist you've included some acts uh, i guess more uh folky on the spectrum um like stella donnelly paul kelly and, and phoebe bridges do you think that there's a bit of a, a correlation uh between because i feel like the lyrics for some of those acts or some singer songwriters could also be repurposed for punk bands do you think there is a correlation between uh the lyrical content of singer songwriters and, and i guess uh more punkier bands or some of the bands that we mentioned yes <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that there's this like confessional nature to like um, punk and emo music that is mirrored in that kind of more folky stuff, right? Like your Phoebe Bridges, your Paul Kelly, like a lot of the time those songs are, like are about the lyrics, you know, that's the main thing that people are kind of drawn into. And I think the kind of, the kind of more emo connotations of pop punk and stuff, it's emo, it's emotional, that that is where you get that kind of lyrical connection from. And I think maybe you can draw a line there between those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, one song that kind of jumped out to me, uh, which relates back to pop punk, was uh, The Motivation Proclamation by Good Charlotte, uh, which, uh, absolute classic from their first record. Um, do you guys think that some of these earlier 2000 pop punk bands now are having a little bit more difficulty being taken seriously due to their previous popularity? Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. And I think, and I think part yeah. of, I don't know, I feel like we've been on a little bit of a mission in our like close circles and stuff over the past few years to kind of break that pop punk stigma, you know, like motivation Pro- proclamation was like one of the first songs that made me go, wow, music, wow, bands, that's cool. You know, when I was a kid, I had like a good Charlotte, like music video DVD and that was on it. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. People cringe at pop punk, but I feel like personally we, we take it as a mission to kind of like reclaim pop punk, stop cringing at pop punk, like that kind of vibe. But also, you know. The problem is some of it is very cringy. So <laughs> like, I, I understand the natural guard pop punk is cringy, that kind of reaction. Um, but hopefully we are changing that a bit because we love it. There's good stuff in there. There's, 
there's definitely some quality stuff in there. There's like anything, there's always cringy uh, yeah, dance music or country or anything. But um, no, that song, it's great, great song. The harmonies in that song are fantastic. So, <laughs> John and Sam, I know we only had limited time today, so I do very much appreciate uh, your time with us. Um, thank you so much for being on the show and, and all the best with the forthcoming album, Gardens. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you for having us. that's our show thank you again to Jono and Sam from Sly Withers their forthcoming record Gardens will be released sometime this year in 2021 singles Cracks and Bougainvillea are out now and we've included a link to the Bogan video in today's show notes you can also find all the band's songs across all streaming platforms we also want to give a quick shout out to Sarah from Due Process for helping out with today's interview you can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of Sly Withers picks If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Until next week, cheers. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.